right, so we're going to turn in the Bible to Acts chapter 2. I've already asked you to turn there, so you already should be there, Acts chapter 2. In the bulletin, I put that we're going to look at our church covenant, and I want us to do that here at the end. We, we have not done that in quite some time. I hope I've not neglected it too much. We just finished up a, another new members class here at our church and had a good group in there, and those people are now uh, making steps to, to become members of the church, and that's good. But we go through the church covenant in there, and it, and it reminded me of how um, fruitful or healthy it is for us to, to look at that. So we're at Acts chapter 2 because here in the book of Acts we have a lot of um, descriptive paragraphs that explain kind of what the body of Christ is like and, and what church was. And I'm not sure if you've read those recently. There's, there's a lot of this in Acts chapter 2. The two big ones are at the end of chapter... There's a lot of this in the book of Acts. The two big ones are at the end of chapter 2 and the end of chapter 4. And, we, and we're going to look at those tonight. There's another one in chapter 5 and then some real small statements scattered throughout the book of Acts. But it paints this picture of like, man, those... Those people were the real thing. Those people loved each other. They were committed together, and that's a, that's a good church. And these days we do have some of this, but we've got so many things now operating in the world under the, under the name of church that it's, the water's gotten a little bit muddy. It's a little bit blurry when we say church. There's some churches out there that are just gigantic and huge and just seem to be thriving, and, and people love it, and then there's others that are hardly surviving. And there's many that are somewhere in between those two. I had a man today at our church come forward and, uh, after the service, and he was talking to me, and I said, well, I'd love to talk to you sometime about, about uh, your life and where you're at and all that. And he said, well, you know, I, I've got me another church where I'm actually a member. And I said, oh, yeah, that, that's fine. He said, uh, but I never go there. He said, it's, it's just a little old church that's, that's not really making it, and it's kind of been that my whole, my whole life. That's his, his church, and, and that's what he thinks of when he thinks of church. But I know a lot of other people and even churches around, around the city now that are, that are new and, and upbeat and have a lot of life to them. I see a lot of people, maybe you do too, who have shirts, and their shirts say, I love my church. That's kind of common now for churches to make T-shirts that say, I love my church, and they're so happy about it, right? Some churches make uh, bumper stickers for their car, and they're advertising how thrilled they are to be a part of their church and some people are so reluctant to invite somebody to their church because they don't think they'd have a good experience and other people every time you talk to them they're like a salesman you just got to come to church with me sometime you just got to come to church with me and some people do and which of those is actually a church and which of those is 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 good or bad is not the right conversation right there are strengths to possibly both of those. There may be weaknesses to both of those. But we don't want to be those people that are thinking about the health of a church necessarily through energy. Now, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said about energy and activity. But in the book of Acts, it describes it a little bit differently. Look with me at Acts, Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at the very end of the chapter, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together together. 
and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Doesn't that sound good? That sounds really good. I want to stop for a second, and please don't answer out loud, but have you ever experienced a church like that? I don't think they had a t-shirt printing business in Acts chapter 2, but if they did, surely they'd have had t-shirts of their church because they loved it. It was going well. But maybe not for the reasons that we describe our churches today. Turn over maybe just a page to the end of chapter 4. So a little bit happens more in the early church. The end of chapter 4. Verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You can turn back to chapter 2 now. That one sounds good too, doesn't it? Both of those passages sound really good. You know, it's healthy for us to get back to the Word of God. I think you've learned that as a, as a part of our church. The, the Word of God is the authority, and this is what we do. We look to it. I love a, a, a testimony like Joe gives us tonight when he says, you know what, the past couple of weeks I've been running around. I've had a lot going on. I've been uh, busy from class to, to work to everything else, and I've just not been reading God's Word the way I would like to, not as much as I uh, planned to, and so I felt that a little bit, maybe a little distant, a little dry from from a delighting and trusting in God. And I showed up here today, and, and God used it. God used the church, and the preaching of the word, and the people, and the songs, and what church is. God used that, and Joe said it feels, feels good, and God has lifted my soul, right? In many ways, this is what we're seeing described in, in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, that the, that the whole... Um, the whole complexity of what is church sounds good and it sounds like God is working through it and it sounds like good things are happening through what it means to be the church and, 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 and that's fascinating. And it says things that are, that are kind of um, uh, specific and, and details to what makes up the church but then there, then there are other things there that are just like, hey, I want to be a part of that. And so let's look at this passage here in Acts chapter 2 and I want to show you a few things. Look at the end of verse 46. They, were pr- they had generous hearts. They were praising God, verse 47. They were having favor with all the people. Sounds good, right? 
Sounds really good. And then the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now that's awesome. We've got generous hearts, praising God, favor amongst each other. That sounds wonderful. And God in the midst of it, adding to their number more and more people. People are growing, lives are being changed, and it's all good. But I want to remind you here tonight, church, that that's not, that's not where we start. That's not where we start. For look back at verse 42. And they, who's the they there? Well, go back a few verses. Look at verse 37. All right? Peter has just finished this first sermon where he's laid it all out there, quoted the Old Testament, said that Jesus Christ crucified is the Savior of the world and and that if anybody in their sins would turn to God and believe that Jesus was killed for our sins, they would be saved. God raised him from the dead and shows that we can have forgiveness of sins and newness of life. Peter has just preached a hardcore message like that. And look at verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to heart. In other words, they were bothered and convicted and, in some senses, guilty and ashamed that they and their lives and their sins had killed Jesus. Look back at verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Peter was preaching at them in this sermon in Acts chapter 2. I don't know if he had his fingers out like this, but he was saying, your sins killed Jesus and you killed Jesus. That's, that's heavy. But verse 37 says when they heard it, they didn't fight back. They were cut to the heart. And there was a response to the preaching of God's word. And they said, Peter, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? If God killed his son because of us. If God has done something because of us, if God is aware of what we're doing, if God is aware of what we're doing wrong, if God's going to punish us for doing things wrong, then, 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 then what now can you tell us? What more? Brothers, what shall we do? What a wonderful response. I hope and pray on Sundays when we meet like this that we don't get out of here so quickly that, that our hearts don't respond. I know we usually sing one final song like on a Sunday morning and it's, you know, three or four minutes. But I hope that you are taking in what God just said. I sure hope that any of us who have any children near us, parents or grandparents or just some kids that live next door, or or if you have any younger people around you, I hope that you have not already forgotten what we talked about this morning, that God's word speaks to children. And the importance and priority that young people must be in our lives and in our world and in the church. 
It says that there was a response out of them, and they said, what shall we do? This is every preacher's dream that the people that listen would say, okay, what should I do next? And Peter had an answer. Look what it says in verse 38. He said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Is that a watered-down response from Peter to those who said, what shall we do? No. That is not watered down at all. It is repent, be baptized, get your sins forgiven. Not watered down, big, strong answer. Verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. It's like a a continuing plea, a, 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 a yearning. Please turn to Christ, be saved. Verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This is the beginning of the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit has just come. God is working really in a miraculous way. The, the, The apostles are now filled with the Holy Spirit. And they are going out now as Jesus had called them to. To make a difference in the world. To preach the gospel. To spread the name of Jesus. That's what they're doing. And we see God working in a miraculous way. They are preaching. People are responding. They're answering back. And they're saying believe in Christ. And God is saving people. God is building his church if you will. And then we get to verse 42. And they, who's the they? Who's the they in verse 42? The ones that just got baptized, that's right. Who else is it? It says a lot about them. Who else is it? The ones who have believed? Who else is it? The ones who were just being preached at? Who else? What else? Okay, yeah, uh, that would include the ones preaching to them, but I'm talking about the ones that are being preached at. What else does it say about them? These are the ones who, listen to this, just five verses ahead are the ones Peter is going at. Do you see that? I think sometimes we overlook that. In Acts chapter 2, this beautiful, beautiful passage of the fellowship of the body of Christ. And the listen to this, verse 47. Gladness and generous hearts and praising God and favor with all the people. And God is adding to their number day by day. That, that like fairy tale uh, picture of church, just a few verses before are the sinful people that killed Jesus themselves. Does everybody see that? You know what my point is? My point is that the church is not made up of good people necessarily. The church is made up of people who've been changed by Jesus. Now, if he's done a lot of work in you and made you a a fine person, then we praise God and give him the glory. If he's still working on you and you're still rough around the edges, 
then we understand and we praise God and give him all the glory. If you're brand new to this, then we understand and we praise God and give him all the glory. But Peter preaches a hard, hard message here to them. They respond, God changes them. And verse 42 tells us that they are now, listen, they are a people together devoted. Does everybody see that word in verse 42? Oh, that we would be marked by a church devoted to a few things. Oh, that you as a Christian and a follower of Christ and somebody who loves your church, because I know you love your church, that your life would be characterized by your devotion to just a few things. Because the awesome description we have in verses 46 and 47 comes from the common devotion in verse 42. Let's look there. They devoted themselves to the teaching, the apostles' teaching. One of the real characteristics of all things that are true and, and godly is a real devotion together to the Word of God. When we become a people who treasure and cherish the Word of God, then God will be working in our midst. We must remember that Jesus says He builds His He honors the preaching of the word. The word of God, Hebrews 4 says, is active and living. And there's no, it's no coincidence that this beautiful description of church down here in verses 46 and 47, It's there because they are devoted to the teaching of the apostles. The teaching of the truth of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It was sermons like we just read some of earlier in chapter 2 that Peter preached. It was a sermon who was built upon the word of God. If you look back at chapter 2, he is quoting all over the place from the Old Testament. He is preaching God's word and he is applying it to the Lord Jesus and then preaching it to them. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Church, you in your life must be devoted to the preaching of the Word of God. You must be devoted to the preaching of the Word of God. Secondly, look here at verse 42, and to the fellowship. This is fascinating. And this is absolutely fascinating because if we talk about things that are absolutely essential to what it means to, to be the church, there are several things that we all would say, right? We would say prayer, we'd probably say offering, we'd say the preaching of the word, and we'd say the Lord's Supper, right? With baptism, we'd get into those things, and, and they're all here. And we, we appreciate those, and we, we are right in saying that those things count. But what about fellowship? And at what point... Can we say that you are devoted to the fellowship? To the intermingling of our lives 
to the, as I preached on just a couple Sundays ago, to the knowing people and being known by people, to the loving people and being loved by people. That we understand that church is not, I came here today, I heard the word today, I sang a song today, I took the Lord's Supper today, and I placed an offering today, and now I'll go home, and God filled me up, and I hope it lasts me through the week so I can do it again next week. And yet nowhere in that equation, which may work really well for you in your little uh, cylinder that's all about you, nowhere in the equation did we factor in where he or she was or where they were or what's going on with them. There are people in our church right now whose marriages are really, really, really on the rocks. There are people in our church right now who are really, really, really lonely. There are people in our church right now who are depressed. There are people in our church right now who are thinking about giving up and quitting. There are people in our church right now who are struggling in this direction and struggling in this direction And what are we or what can we do about it? Well, when a church, listen to me, according to Acts chapter 2 verse 42, when a church is devoted to the fellowship, it means that seeing you and knowing you and caring about you and keeping up with you matters to us. That's an often neglected aspect of church. They were devoted to the fellowship. It also says they were devoted to the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, the the being together, we know that. They were devoted to the prayers, and we know that. And certainly God was working through them. But then it gets down here at the end, verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, receiving the food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And God was working through it. I want to ask here today, if you were to take like an evaluation on your, on your church life, what, what would you say you're devoted to? Now, this isn't necessarily a, the, the exhaustive list of exactly what it means to be a church, but it's a pretty good description. covers a lot. What, what are you devoted to in church life? Are you devoted to the Lord's Supper? Did you know that we were taking it this morning? Is it that big of a deal? Are you devoted to the praying for the church? When was the last time you prayed for me and the preaching? When was the last time you prayed for... Somebody else in the church? Do you pray? Are you devoted to it? Every time we read Acts 2 or Acts 4, the book of Acts, you almost will always, if we're honest, you almost always hear somebody say, I ain't never really seen church like that before. I've never really experienced it on that wonderful level. That sounds good. You go back up just a few verses to verse 42. You start wondering, what, what are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? Church, tonight, may we be challenged and encouraged, convicted and confident that God is teaching us. And we are believers in Jesus, 
followers of Christ. And we want to be blessed and have the hand of God upon us, see him using us, bringing people to salvation in a growing church. But may we not get preoccupied by those sorts of things. May we stay faithful to being devoted to what he's called us to be devoted to. Let's end by looking at our church covenant and reading through it. If you'd grab a hymnal, that's the gray book, grab a hymnal. We have the church covenant printed in the very front of the hymnal. I hope that you know that. I guess I haven't told you all that in a while, but they've been there since uh, 2011. The church covenant is on the very front page. Just open the flap and you'll see it right there. Does everybody see it? If you happen to find a hymnal that didn't have one, there shouldn't be any, but if you did find one, then grab a different one real quick. Does everybody have it? That's our church covenant. It's a new one for us. We adopted it in 2011. It's been updated and changed and revised, and and I really, really like it. All right? Let's read this first part. As a gathered church of believers in Jesus Christ in Fairdale, Kentucky, we covenant together in the bonds of love to walk as the family of God in the following ways. That's a good first sentence, isn't it? Sounds something like Acts chapter 2, don't you think? It does. I mean, it's got some good words to gear, uh, some stuff there. Gathered church, it means that they are committed to being together, right? You don't overlook that. Aren't we a gathered church? But doesn't that raise a lot of, a, a lot of uh, issue or concern for a lot of people who don't have the, the, the commitment or the devotion? Let's use that Acts 2.42 word. A devotion to the gathering of the church. This is what our church covenant says, that we are a gathered church of believers in Jesus Christ right here in Fairdale, Kentucky, and we covenant together in the bonds of love to walk as the family of God in the following ways. It's a great opening sentence. All right, number one, we will seek to follow after God privately and individually through trusting Him, obeying Him, praying to Him, and learning about Him from His Word. We, as individuals, will be committed to that. That's why I was able to ask you, according to Acts 2.42, what are you devoted to? One of the most awesome things about really starting to get church is that the church is us. And to be honest, the church is you. As we go, the church goes, right? As you go, we go. This building doesn't make any decisions. This building doesn't impact any lives. Church is made up of the people. As you pray, that's what we are. As you love, that's what we are. Think about it like this. If you're not much of a praying church, then we're not much of a praying church. If you're not devoted, we're not devoted. That's why the first point here is about the private and individual devotion to God. On the flip side, as you are, so we are. And praise God that by his grace, he has revived our church and we see many, many people now faithfully following after Jesus. So we can say that we are a strong and healthy church because I I look around and I see it. 
Number two, we will seek by the Holy Spirit to maintain lives of holiness through drawing near to God, resisting the devil, putting to death our sins, and living unto righteousness. We will personally watch over the souls of our fellow church members and urge them on to holiness and purity. Devotion there, right? Devotion to each other. If number one is about me individually following Christ, number two is about making sure that we follow Christ together, understanding the seriousness of it. Sin is real. Number three, we will seek to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, both personally and corporately. We will support efforts to extend the gospel in our community, our state, our country, and the world. All of this that comes under the umbrella of church has a reason and purpose and calling behind it, and it's not so much about me it's about jesus it's about what he's doing it's about where he's going and what he's accomplishing it's about spreading his name and building his people and growing his church and his kingdom all over the world and that's why we want to be a part of this that's why we want to be devoted to god because we want god to continue growing the the glory of god number four We will seek to gather regularly to worship God, listen to the preaching of the word, and encourage one another. Number four on here is the shortest of all of the eight points in our church covenant. And it, to me, sounds in so many ways like a short little description in covenant form of what we just read in Acts chapter 2, doesn't it? Doesn't that number four sound like it? We will gather regularly, worship God, listen to the preaching, and encourage one another. I like that. Number five, we will seek to support the ministries and mission of the church through praying for the church, exercising our spiritual gifts, and contributing financially to its needs. I didn't talk a whole lot tonight about uh, those passages, but in those passages in Acts 2 and Acts 4, didn't it talk a lot about them taking their stuff and giving it away and selling their things and contributing to the needs, and they had all things in common, and it says nobody was without anything and nobody was in want. Didn't we read that tonight in Acts 2 and Acts 4? Yes, as a body of people, we are committed to using our gifts and God using our gifts and exercising who we are and who God has made us to be. Number six, we will seek by the Holy Spirit to love one another sincerely while maintaining the unity and peace of the church. We will abstain from gossip, backbiting, and other sins that cause division within the church. We realize that just as great as those two passages read tonight, and we thought, man, that sounds awesome, we realize that it's not always that way. We realize that uh, sin and division can come very quickly. We realize that just as much as God can be working, can bless and grow a church, we realize that the neglect of God can bring in the, the, the Satan and that Satan can come and tear us apart. We're aware of that. And so we are mindful and we are... Uh, active in wanting to go against that. Number seven, we will strive to learn, support, and promote the church's doctrine. We will also submit to the discipline of the church and its leadership. There's an organized system to how God wants us to do a church. And we're committed to it and we'll follow it. And then number eight, if we move from this place We will seek as soon as possible to unite with some other church of like faith and practice where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant. Number eight says that the church is so important that as soon as I'm not able to be a part of this church, I'll find me another one because it's that important. 
what we read in Acts chapter 2 about everybody that's been changed by the grace of God through the gospel, those people were committed together. They were devoted to things together. And being devoted together with one another, the lives of other people, matters so much that if I now find myself in position to not be involved here, then I would quickly find another church to be devoted to. Devotion to God is the most important thing. But devotion to God is to look like devotion to God with other people. It's the way God designed it. Their strength in numbers. Jesus has a church. He has a people. And we thank God for it. Tonight I want you to remember this church covenant. It was good for us to read it together. But more importantly than that, I want you to remember what we read in Acts chapter 2. I want you to remember the strong sermon that Peter preached. And I want you to remember the beautiful picture of response that we see at the end, verse 46 and 47. And I want you to see that they were a people devoted together. And may God, by his grace, make us a people devoted together. We pray for that. And we want that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, Acts chapter 2. And thank you for our church covenant. And God, thank you that we see a devoted people. Their lives had been changed. They didn't used to be devoted to that. But because of what you had done in them, God, they now were. Devoted to the teaching. Devoted to the fellowship. Devoted to the Lord's Supper. Devoted to the advancement of the gospel. Devoted to each other. Devoted to the prayers. Father, I pray that you would work in us a devotion to those things. That we would be a faithful witness as a church to you. For God, you're a good God, a Father in heaven. And we worship you. Thank you, God, for our time here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.